I noticed that uh, when Jason came up the steps, he skipped every other one. <clears throat> I came up the old man way, hoping I didn't trip. It's great to see you guys this morning. It's great to be with you. Uh, such a blessing every year coming to this and, and being able just to get fed and, and encourage one another in the Lord, uh, to build each other up in our walk with God, and hopefully today will be that for all of us. I wanted to start off with a little... Uh, well, it's a funny story. And then we'll get into the word. <clears throat> Two hillbillies. Are there any hillbillies in here? I don't want to offend any hillbillies. Oh, there is one? Okay, sorry. Sorry about this ahead of time. Two hillbillies walk into a diner for a bite to eat. And while they talk about their moonshine operation, suddenly a woman at a nearby table begins to choke on her sandwich. One of the hillbillies looks at her and says, Can you swallow? And the woman shakes her head, No. Then he says, Can you breathe? And the woman, now turning blue, shakes her head no. The hillbilly walks over, lifts up her dress, yanks down her drawers, and quickly gives her right butt cheek a lick with his tongue. The woman is so shocked that she has a violent spasm and the obstruction flies out of her mouth. As she begins to breathe again, the hillbilly calmly walks back to his friend at the table and his partner says, you know, I'd heard of that hind lick maneuver, but I ain't never seen nobody do it. <laughs> <laughs> Do not try that, men. You'll probably get beat down. All right. Open up your Bibles to the book of Second and uh, First Kings, excuse me, First Kings chapter two. First Kings chapter two. Uh, we come this morning to a charge, and let's take a look at it. And it says in First Kings chapter two, beginning at verse one, now the days of David drew near that he should die. And then he charged Solomon, his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies. And as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and, whatever you, and wherever you turn. And that the Lord may fulfill his word, which he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, he said, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. This charge is from a father to his son. And of course, it's King David speaking to Solomon, who was about to take over as king. And today, myself and my fellow brothers in the Lord, pastors, servants, we're going to be talking about how we're called, all of us, as men to be spiritual leaders, spiritual influencers in our homes, uh, as husbands, as fathers, as grandfathers, and even outside of our homes in the sphere of influence that we all have. Every one of us has a different sphere of influence uh, where you work or, you know, your neighborhoods, whatever. So this is a charge that, and these principles apply to our lives and that, that by our own example and our own pattern, we might be able to uh, apply this to our lives as men, and then that we might bring this into our own families and teach our sons and our daughters and uh, our grandchildren, the next generation of leaders, um, how they are to be living their lives. And, and Jason did a great job of starting this out last night. It was a, a real blessing. And so we are here to get filled and then to give out 
and, and to be willing to share uh, with the next generation uh, the importance of living for the Lord. Now, David, at this point in our story, is coming to the end of his days. He's old, he's elderly, he knows his time on earth is, is about done. He's got white hair like me, he's gray-headed, <laughs> and uh, his tent is wearing out. And so he knows it, but so does everybody else. And if you have read chapter 1, you found out in chapter 1 that uh, Adonijah, uh, his, one of his sons, uh, him along with a group of kind of rogue leaders decided to take it upon themselves uh, to anoint Adonijah as King David's replacement without David's knowledge or without David's per, his permission. But then Nathan the prophet, you've heard of Nathan, he's the one that dealt with David before, uh, Zadok the priest and Bathsheba, they basically go to David in chapter 1 as well and they request that he anoint and declare Solomon as the king, the next king of Israel instead of Adonijah. And so David agrees to do so. And so they do. They anoint Solomon as king. David names him as his heir to the throne. Now this is where we pick up our study this morning. Now all of you know, when we look at this, all of the scriptures and all of us as, as Christians, as we come to the word of God, there's things for us to learn from these different texts. Uh, there are things that, that we're going to glean from and hopefully be able to share with others. So let's take a look at just what I'm going to be sharing on this morning. And so it says in chapter 2, verse 1, Now the days of David drew near that he should die, and that he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. Now, as we look at this portion of Scripture, what I'm thinking as I'm looking at this is this must have been a, a real time of mixed emotions for Solomon and for David, because uh, no son wants to hear from their father, hey, son, it's getting near the end. I'm drawing near to death. And he basically said, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. In other words, I'm going to die, son. And you know the thing about death, and the statistics on death are, are pretty impressive. 10 out of 10 people died. Uh, 20 out of 20. 30 out of 30. 100 out of 100 people died. In fact, Solomon later writes in the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, uh, death is a destiny of every man. The living should take this to heart. And we as pastors, we know this. We deal with this a lot because we do funerals all the time. I understand Ray had a funeral this week. And so this is part of life, the, the whole process. And David realizes he's coming to the end. Now there's only a couple of people that we know of that never tasted death. And if you're a Bible student, you probably know their names. Can anyone shout them out? Two guys that didn't die? Good job, man. All right. And so, yeah, just a couple. And then there's also going to be a group of people in the last days that do not taste death. And hopefully we're part of that group. The Bible says that we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a flash and in a twinkling of an eye. And so we're going to be changed instantaneously at the rapture of the church. Now, I wonder if any of you men like myself uh, have lost your father. Anybody lost your father in here? Quite a few of you guys. I lost my dad when I was... Uh, 28 years old. He had a massive heart attack. That was 32 years ago. And I, I remember it happening like it was just yesterday. In all of my life, I had never wept harder or longer than when I lost my father. I was heartbroken when I lost my father. I loved my dad with all my heart. 
and we were super close. Uh, he poured his life into me and my two brothers. Uh, he taught me many important lessons in life. He taught me uh, about character. Uh, he taught, now, by the way, my father wasn't a believer until near the end. I had the privilege of being a part of God using me to bring him to Christ, which was really a blessing. But he taught me character. He taught me hard work. He taught me loyalty. He taught me how to love. He taught me how to be a caring father uh, by his own example. Uh, he taught me discipline. I, I got a lot of it growing up. It seemed like I, I held the world record for spankings and stuff. And so I was always getting a butt whipping for doing something stupid. Uh, he taught me how to be responsible for my actions. And one of the most important things that he taught me, I felt like, was a passionate dislike for the Dallas Cowboys. And it's just a, a great thing to pass on to your son. I encourage you men to pass that on, on to your sons as well. And so, you know, and so... <laughs> So David, he, what he's doing here is he desires, he feels like, you know, it's important that I share with my son some last thoughts, some, some last words, last instructions. Now, I don't know what it would be like if you were in David's place, you know, that God gave you a last chance to speak to your, your sons or your daughters or your wife, your family, your brothers, your sisters. You know, what would be the last thing, think about it, what would be the last thing that you would tell them if you had that opportunity? You know, what important advice would you give to them? A few years back, in fact, it's been five years ago now, I had a heart attack, and uh, just like my dad, except I was a little bit older than him. He died at 52 years old. I, I had a heart attack at 55. But I had a heart attack, and I almost died. I, got, I, I flew in the helicopter from Silver City uh, to Las Cruces, and that was actually on my bucket list to ride in a helicopter. Not just, not like that, though. And so anyway... I'm on the helicopter and I'm praying on the way there and I'm, I'm basically asking the Lord uh, for more time. And I asked him for more time. And, but I also prayed, I said, Lord, if it's my time now and, and you're taking me, then make me ready, cleanse me, uh, prepare me to be in your presence. But I did pray that the Lord would give me more time. And one of the things I was praying for is that I wanted to have more time uh, as a pastor, I wanted to be able to share the gospel with more people and teach. And I wanted to be there for my wife. I wanted to see my children, my grandchildren grow up. And I, I asked the Lord for those things. And, you know, by the grace of God, I'm here. But uh, post-heart attack, it, it made me really think because post-heart attack, I thought to myself, you know what? I really need to have a talk with my family. And, and uh, I remember sitting down with my family and told my family I said, guys, listen, I love you all with all of my heart. And there's nothing more important to me than that all of you are trusting in Jesus. That all of you are walking with the Lord. And, you know, I told them, I want to see all of you in heaven. My kids, my grandkids, every one of you. And so God gave me that chance to talk to them. And here I am five years later, hopefully, you know, I'm living out and, and following Jesus by uh, an example to them. And I'm blessed to be here to talk to you guys as well. But Solomon, he certainly had a great example of godliness in his father David. Although we heard last night, and we always think about David's uh, flaws and his failures, but there is a newsflash I think that's important. There is no one, no one perfect. And in spite of our imperfections, God chooses to work in our lives and through our lives. There are no perfect men, there's no perfect pastors, there's no perfect leaders. And God has called us, though, to be set apart for him for holy use. 
I was sharing recently with someone, I said, what if, what if God had to wait till we got perfected in order for us to be used? Nothing would ever get done for the kingdom. So God chooses to use imperfect vessels. And David, of course, wasn't perfect, but David was, and we're told this about him, by God, God says that David was a man after God's own heart. And the thing about David, and Jason shared this last night, that when he blew it, he admitted it. And he had a godly sorrow. He repented before the Lord. And that is so important that when we blow it, when we mess up, guys, that we're willing to admit it, that we're willing to confess it. There have been times that I have told my kids or my, my wife many times, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I said or I should have done this and I didn't or, you know, and, and be willing to humble yourself when you mess up or when you blow it and ask for forgiveness. It's not easy to do. Now, I know that none of us in this room are sinless or perfect, uh, especially uh, you cowboy fans, but, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you, I know you guys aren't, but... By the grace of God, you know, the thing is, we've surrendered our lives to Christ, the majority of us in this room. And hopefully after we've done that, and I've been walking with the Lord now, I've been a Christian for 40 years. I just had my spiritual birthday. And, but hopefully as we walk with the Lord, we sin less and less. We're not sinless, but we sin less and less, and that we serve and we obey God more and more. And that we're faithful, that our desire is to be faithful all the way to the finish line. Now, I love what David says to Solomon here by way of a charge. And this is not a soft suggestion, by the way, but it's a firm directive. He says, Solomon, do this. I'm giving you the, the last advice I could give you. I'm, I'm about to go from this life, but I want you to hear this. And he says, Solomon, you're about to become the king of Israel. And this is a heavy responsibility. And so he's about to give him this charge and he's going to tell him that what he needs to do. And I want to read to you something that J. Vernon McGee said about Solomon that I never thought of or I never thought of Solomon this way. We all know uh, that Solomon, um, he had a thousand women at his disposal, right? 300 wives and 700 concubines or vice versa. I, th I think it was that way. But, you know, I've always thought about Solomon being a man's man. Man, he had all those chicks, man, you know, and, and he was a man's man. And, and, but here's what, here's what J. Vernon McGee says about him. He said, Solomon was not quite like his father David. David was a man. Solomon was not much of a man. David was rugged and a warrior. Solomon had been brought up in the palaces. In fact, he had been brought up in the women's palaces. Why did Solomon have a thousand women around him? My friend, the answer is quite obvious. All Solomon knew was about women. He was a sissy, if there ever was one. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> hey, girls, what's up? You know, or whatever. And so, <laughs> don't quote me on that, okay? I, I, I don't really act like that in normal, all right? But, you know, he, so he goes on, he says, I think, <laughs> he said, I don't think David uh, and, and Solomon had much in common. So David says to him, I have made you king and I want you to play the man. I don't think you are one, but do the best that you can. This is the injunction David gave to his boy who had been brought up with soft clothing. Solomon was not like David. He was not like John the Baptist. He was not like our Lord either. But now he's the king of Israel. And so I, I thought, ouch. I don't know, I don't know where J. Vernon McGee came up with that, but it's an interesting theory. 
Now, as we look at this, and we're seeing that Solomon, if he was like that, if he was soft, he was kind of a girly man, uh, and, and J. Vernon McGee was correct, then this charge maybe makes a little bit more sense. Maybe that's why he's saying to him, you know, so be strong. Show yourself a man. Now, my focus is just going to be the first part, uh, the so the be strong part. Pastor Dion's going to talk about, you know, showing yourself a man next. But this exhortation, this charge, so be strong, to me, is a really strong exhortation. And it's a great exhortation to, for all of us, for all of us to lay hold of as men, especially in a culture that we're living in today where they're trying to make men effeminate. They're trying to take away our manlyhood. Uh, they even call uh, manlyhood now, uh, there's a term that they use. What's the term? Toxic. toxic. Yeah, toxic. Thank you, Ray. You saved the old man from being embarrassed. Okay, and so toxic masculinity. You know, and so th there's this push to kind of, you know, take away our manhood which is really a, a sad thing that's happened in our culture. And so when he's saying this, to be strong, this is something I believe that we should lay hold of. Now, how can we be strong? That's the question. How can we be strong? And what's he talking about? Is he saying, you know, Solomon, you look kind of wimpy. You need to lift some weights, eat some protein, do 200 push-ups a day, 500 sit-ups, and three, you know, 300 squats. No, he's not saying that. He's talking about spiritually. Now, maybe, just maybe, you're here this morning and you're struggling with being weak. And you're, you're weak in, in the area of temptations. You're weak in the area of lust or you're weak in the area of, of anger or you're weak in the area of fear or worry or anxiety. And so you ask yourself, when we talk about this this morning, we're trying to figure out, well, how can we be strong? How can I be strong over the areas of weakness in my life? Well, first off, I want to say this. We cannot do it in the power of our own abilities. I know I've tried it. I remember when I came to Christ, or before I came to Christ, the Lord was dealing with me, and I tried to quit smoking pot on my own. I tried to quit drinking on my own. And every time I got in a position where I got tempted with my buddies, I would cave. I could never do it. And it wasn't until I got born again and then filled with the Spirit that I was able to say no to those, those sins or those temptations that had ruled my life. The Lord broke the chains off. So... We're never told as believers to do what we're told to do in the power of our own strength. So over and over we're taught as believers that we need to be empowered. We need the power that comes from outside of ourselves to help us live the Christian life. So when Jesus was preparing to send out his apostles, for example, he's going to send them out into the world to bring the gospel to a fallen world and to change, literally change the world. But he tells them, hey, guys, you need something before you go out. And so I want to turn, turn with me over to the gospel of Luke chapter 24. The gospel of, we're going to bounce around at a few, this is a topical kind of thing, so we're going to bounce around a little bit and look at a few verses. But look, look at Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 45 down to verse 49. And so it says in, in verse 45, he says, And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary that for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. 
and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send you, or I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued or endowed with power from on high. So he's going to send them out to do an amazing thing. But he says, you can't do this in your own strength. You need to be clothed or filled with, empowered from on high in order to, be accomp to accomplish what I'm about to give you to do, the assignment. And then we turn over to the book of Acts and we, start, we hear it again in Acts chapter 1, uh, beginning at verse 8. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And the word is epi. Um, he shall be, there's a difference between him being with us and then coming to live in us and then coming upon us. We call this the baptism or the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come epi or upon you and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what do we need in order to do what God has called us to do? We need power. We need strength, and it comes from the indwelling or the inhabitation or the infusion or the filling of the Holy Spirit, the empowering of the Holy Spirit in us. And the word is dunamis, but it doesn't mean dynamite. There wasn't dynamite back then. It means the ability to do. So God will infuse us and empower us and give us strength to make us strong, give us the ability to do what he's called us to do. So that's where our strength comes from. The Holy Spirit is the source of our strength. He needs to be the source of our strength. Now we find a, 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 a similar exhortation given to us in the New Testament, like Solomon or David gives to Solomon, where he says, be strong. Turn with me over to Ephesians and look at Ephesians chapter 6. And we find an, an exhortation here from the Holy Spirit to us as godly men or two as believers and he says in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might so we are in a spiritual battle and guys it's raging all around us on a constant level and now it's stepping up in these days that we're living in. I believe that Satan knows his time is short so the spiritual battle is raging and the only way that we're going to be victorious in the spiritual battle is to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might or in His mighty power. You see, notice it's not our mighty power, but it's His mighty power, the power of His might. That's how we're to be strong. That's the only way that we can be strong. So when you look at Scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament, what you find is a common thread when it comes to being strong when it comes to strength, when it comes to power. And we learn that we can never do what God calls us to do in our own might, in our own ability, or in our own strength. You see, we also learn that God's strength and God's power is provided to us so that we can do whatever God is calling us to do. You see, he, like Jason said last night, he equips the called. He equips us to do what we're called to do. I heard an old saying a long time ago. It says, do this and live the law commands, but gives me neither feet nor hands. A better message the gospel brings. It bids me fly and gives me wings. And so it's the empowerment or the enablement, the ability to do of the Holy Spirit that we all need every single day, man, in our lives. Turn over to the Gospel of Luke in chapter 11. 
And one of the great promises that Jesus gives to us here concerning the Holy Spirit, I love this promise. And I, I read it a lot. I give it to people a lot. I said, check this out. Read this. Luke chapter 11, beginning at verse 5. Luke chapter 11, beginning at verse 5. And we'll read down to uh, verse 13. He says, And so he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three, three loaves. For a friend of mine has come uh, to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, Though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because his persistence, he will rise and give to him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. And if a son asks for bread from a father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so really the whole context of this is ask, seek, and knock. And he says, you know what, if you as a good father or a, a you know, we're not even good, really. But if we, we care about our kids, we're going to give them good things, the best of our ability. But he's saying, our Father in heaven wants to, desires to, give us the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. You know, my daily prayer, I prayed it this morning when I woke up, first thing when I woke up, my daily prayer is I get a fresh infusion and a filling and an empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Because what I've learned in these 40 years of walking with Jesus is that I cannot do anything of eternal value without him. So I need him. I need the ability to do what God is calling me to do. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the idea there is in the present imperative, it means be being filled. Be being filled. I think Gail Irwin is the one that came up with this, he says, we need to be being filled because we leak, right? So every day, man, I wake up again. Lord, fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit. Zechariah, in his uh, word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, said this, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So our dependence must be upon not our own might or by our power, no, but upon our dependence is upon the Holy Spirit. So as a Christian husband, as a Christian father, as a Christian pastor, what I've learned is that I cannot do anything in my own power. Let me tell you, I've tried it, and it doesn't work. I uh, have a quick story. I was going to do a funeral for uh, a person. I didn't even know who they were. I got a phone call on a Thursday, and they said, Pastor, can you fill in for this other pastor who was going to do this funeral tomorrow because... Um, He's sick, 
And all you got to do is a graveside. It's just a graveside service. It's simple. There's going to be a small number of people there, a family. And they just want you to come and say a prayer. And that's it. And so I was like, okay, I, I can do it. It was on a Friday. That's my sermon day for Sunday. So I get up real early and I'm working at my sermon frantically. And in my mind, I plan out the whole thing. I got to be there at 1 o'clock. And so I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll finish near 12. I'll, I'll jump in the shower real quick. I'll throw my suit on and I'll drive over there to the graveside and I'll do the thing, you know. So uh, the, everything was going according to plan and I get my suit out. No, man, it needs to be ironed. And so I start to iron it and somebody in front of me had used the iron. I had got kids back then. I had these ki kids and, and one of them apparently had used the iron and gotten... Uh, they had ironed a logo or something, and I went, whoop, and it got a big old black mark on my, on my shirt, on my collar. And it was the only shirt that I had for that suit, and I'm like, no! So I'm frantically trying to scrub it and get the black mark off, and now I'm running behind schedule. And so I'm you know, trying to hurry, and I'm just all frazzled, and I, I take off, and I get to the funeral, and to this day, I have never done a larger funeral. The, 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 the graveside was packed with people. And I, and, I, and I get there like two minutes before the funeral is supposed to start. And, I, and the, the funeral director walks up to me. He's frantic. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know you were going to show up. And so he even makes me more nervous, you know. And so I get up there, and uh, there, there's the family under this tent thing. And I get up there, and, and I'm like, you know, and I think to myself, I can't just say a prayer. I got to say something so I get up and I start talking you know just winging it and 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 I and, and see and then let me back up in the story the night before on Thursday I had just finished doing a message like this saying we need to daily depend upon the Holy Spirit we can't do it on our own right well I thought to myself I can go say a prayer no big deal you know and so I get there and I start talking and then I say the deceased person's name the wrong name and the, the mom corrects me. And then now I am just humiliated before this giant crowd. And then we go up on this upper, upper deck and we're going to do a, a burial of an urn, right? So I'm up there and I'm just kind of winging the whole thing. And, I, and in my mind, I'm like, man, Lord, just get me out of here. I just want to get out of here. This, this is horrible, you know. And I'm up there and I'm, I'm winging it and, and, I, and I finish. And finally, I just walk down the stairs and I don't talk to anyone. I just book it. And I go to Walmart, man, and I'm walking through Walmart with my head hanging down like, Lord, why, why was that so horrible? I, you know, it's, it's horrible, and I'm just all crying, you know. And then I look down, and my zipper is wide open. And it's like, no! This is disaster! And, and I had just been up where everyone could see me, right? And I'm like, Ugh! And so I said, Lord, why did this happen? And the Lord says, because you didn't do your sermon. You didn't apply your sermon. You thought you could do this without me. And now I'm showing you. <laughs> I'm like, but why like this, Lord? You know, and it was just horrible. So anyway, I've learned that you cannot do what God has called you to do in your own strength. We need the power, the ability that he gives us to do to do what we're going to do. And so, you know, I can hear David saying this to his son. Be strong. But I can hear the Lord saying to us as well as sons, be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in, the, in the, the, the power that he provides for us. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, not your own might. Now, in doing this study, I kind of looked up the word. I wanted to look up some words. I looked up the word strength. It's found 223 times in Scripture. 
And many of the great heroes of the faith spoke of needing and depending on God for strength. And I, I can tell you, I need the Lord's strength on a daily basis. I had a thing happen this last week that was just, I've been pastoring now, like Ray and I, about the same time for 28 years. And I think in, in all these 28 years of pastoring, and you deal with all kinds of stuff all the time. But it, this happened to me last week. And I get a phone call. I'm working on my sermon, and I get a phone call, and I answer it, and, and it's a lady, and she's bawling. She's crying. She can hardly speak. And, and, and I'm like, and I said, what's going on? What's going on? And she said, she said, I'm laying here in bed next to my daughter, and she just committed suicide, she said. What do I do? Can you pray for her? And I'm like thinking, I'm not Jesus. You know, I mean, I, I was thinking, man, I wish I was Jesus right now. I'd raise her from the, she's just bawling. And I said, she goes, she's cold. She's ice cold. I said, what happened? She goes, I found a bottle of pills next to her, her bed. And, and, you know, I'm telling you at that moment, man, I was so taken back. And, and I realized I don't have anything. I had nothing. I had nothing. I didn't know what to say. I, I was just, and she says, can you pray for me? Can you pray for us? And I, and I just, at that moment, I just called upon the Lord. And I said, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Give me strength, Lord. Give me power. Give me wisdom. Give me compassion. Give me guidance. I don't know what to say to this lady. And, you know, those are the times when you're reminded you cannot do what God is calling you to do on your own. So what you find is when you go from cover to cover in Scripture, you find over and over that the Lord is the one that did everything in in and for those that were depending upon him. They understood that. They understood that they needed his strength. Let me give you another example. Moses, Exodus chapter 15, if you'll turn there. In Exodus chapter 15. And this is right after they come to the edge of the water and they are pretty much toast because the Egyptian army is bearing down on them. And then God does an amazing thing. And we know the story. He parted the sea and they were able to walk through on dry land. And right after that happens, listen to what Moses says in Exodus chapter 15. It says, then Moses, verse 1, then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke saying, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider has, uh, he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's my father's God, and I will exalt him. And so he says, he's my strength and he's my song. Here's another example of King David in 2 Samuel chapter 22. 2 Samuel chapter 22. And what you find with these leaders is that they all had something in common, is that they recognized that they had to be dependent upon the Lord, and it was the Lord's power, not their own, that, that enabled them to do what they did. And so... This is another song that King David writes in praise of God delivering them. And so he says in verse 2, And he said, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, the God of my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior. You save me from violence. And you jump down to verse 33, and he says in verse 33, uh, let me skip over he says in verse 33, he says, God is my strength and power. 
category. I am weak in so many ways, but he gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. And listen to Paul the Apostle. And listen to what he says as Paul the Apostle uh, was a man who recognized his own needs. So if you'll turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and we'll read this real quick. He says in verse 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 8. I think this is the right one. Yeah. He says concerning this thing I pleaded with the Lord three times that, he might de- that it might depart from me. He had a thorn in the flesh. Whatever that was and he asked the Lord to take it. And then he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Don't be all bummed out at yourself that you're weak, because when we're weak, notice what Paul says will happen. Therefore, most gladly, I rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and needs, in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so it comes down to us being strengthened, being empowered with the strength that God provides. And this is the last verse we'll look at, 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, I love this one. Because for us that are in ministry or, or whatever we're doing, I believe we all have, we're all called to the ministry. We're all called to different elements or aspects of ministry or ministering or serving in some capacity. But First Peter chapter 4, verse 11, listen to what it says. If anyone speaks, let him, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. And the NIV says, with the strength that God provides. Back to the Holy Spirit, he will give you the ability to do. And so whatever you do, he said, let him do it with the ability or the strength which God provides or supplies. That in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, in whom belong glory and the dominion forever and ever. Last night, Jason says, you know what? Uh, Our lives are to be lived for God's glory. How is God glorified in you and me? As we depend upon him, as we look to him daily to be filled and empowered and guided, that's how he gets glorified. Because now we're a clean vessel. We're a vessel that he can use for his glory. That we're daily depending upon him. We're looking to him. You know, I wake up every day and I I want God to use me. I don't just want to go through the day and just, you know, live my life doing whatever I'm doing for myself. I say, Lord, what do you want me to be doing today? How do you want me to be living today? Who can I talk to today? Maybe there's someone that is is in need of encouragement or in need of prayer or in need of, of, of a hug or love, you know, or something or in need of rebuke, you know. I like those ones. Those are fun. And so, you know, whatever it may be. We, we need to be available for God to use us. Amen? And may that be for, so for you guys as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time in your word, Lord, this, this study on, on being strong. Lord, we, all of us, Lord, admit that we need your strength. We need your empowerment. We need the filling daily of the Holy Spirit. And I pray for every one of these men, Lord, that we would all be thinking that way every single day, that, Lord, that we are yielded, that we are filled afresh, that we are empowered and enabled to do what you're calling us to do. 
whether we go to work, Lord, and in the morning we sit out in the parking lot and just pray for a fresh power, empowerment of the Spirit to go do our jobs for your glory. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray that we would be reminded that we cannot do it in our, our own strength because what happens is your zipper's falling down and everything bad happens. So, Lord, help us to remember that. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Love you guys.